What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Arcade Podcast. We're having a wonderful, wonderful Halloween week here at Full Screen, filled with spooks and goblins and ghouls and, and ghosts. And very cheesy-looking cobwebs. And very cheesy... Yeah, that's the thing. You walk around, and it looks like somebody just opened one of those bags of the cotton pillow filler, and they just threw it over every door here. So it's very interesting. We had our own scary clown jumping out of people the other day. Wait, so was that was that actually a person who works for us, or was it just a scary clown <laughs> showed up on our campus? A scary clown, or I guess we'll never know. Scary clowns to go. Dial one eight hundred. Scare your friends. Uh, it, it, was, it was terrifying. I saw him running around in the building across from us. I was about to report it, or at least post it to Reddit, because I know that gets tons of upvotes and views as of late. But mm-hmm. yeah, I stuck away from that. Um, but there are lots of other things happening besides scary clowns and uh, Halloween goodness going on in the sphere. Lots of announcements but across first, the board. But first, before we do that, let's, yeah. let's say hello. Say hello to who? who? Are you? I don't know who I am anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm John Brents. I am also known as Kawaii Guy, uh, one of the RK team members. And I have my fellow host, uh, Howard. Hello. How are you doing, Howard? I'm well. You're doing well? Just soaking it all in. Soaking it? I'm assuming, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm assuming it's that giant cup of coffee that this you're soaking in right one, now. This is my third one, so I should be pretty good for this podcast. Oh, geez. And also, we're joined by Dan. How's it going, guys? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. You are not having the ridiculously sized cup of coffee from Starbucks. I've already had mine today. Oh, okay, perfect. Just one? What's wrong with you? He's on uh, cup five at this point. The jitters are strong with this one. Uh, but yeah, let's hop into what's going on in the sphere. Uh, let's kick it off with the news that kind of caught me off guard. And I know we have our thoughts collectively about this. Bethesda, mm. they announced something. Uh, Dan, I'll let you take it away. Basically, Bethesda announced that they're not going to be sending out advanced copies of games anymore for reviewers or for YouTube channels or for anybody who is, I guess, either used to or were anticipating on getting games in advance so they can, you know, collect their thoughts about it, make a review about it, and inform potential consumers ahead of time if the game is broken, if it's good. So it's kind of a, an iffy decision and, uh, you know, kind of waiting to see how the I guess, gaming community at large reacts to it. Well, yeah. Did they give a reason why? Or did they just say, we're not doing this anymore? One of the reasons they cited was Doom, where they said that the advanced copies that they sent out of Doom kind of built a negative buzz around it, even though once the game was actually released, it got very positive press. So they're kind of saying that advanced copies of games don't really give an accurate portrayal of the game. Yep. That's exactly what they're trying to position right now. And also, Mm. one could interpret this as if, let's say, a series of negative reviews come out for a game about a week before release. Tons of people have pre-orders, right? They can cancel. Right. That that totally makes sense. Yeah. So it'd be it, it could be the fact that they're trying to protect themselves from consumer behavior pulling out of game sales. Possibly, but here's here's my thoughts on this. If if you're getting tons of negative reviews several weeks before a game is launched. Maybe it's because the game is garbage. Ooh, okay. So this maybe is a you thought. should make better games if you're worried about negative Ooh. reviews before the game is released. Okay, all right. Well, okay, there's okay, so there's several pieces of this puzzle here. Okay, one is how it will affect the YouTube business overall, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but let's hit on the thing that you just stated, is make better games, therefore you would not have to worry about negative reviews. What a concept. 
Right. But, you know, when it comes to timelines, and I have several friends that have worked with Bethesda in the past and Obsidian when they were working with Bethesda and all just game companies across the board, there are tight timelines half the time. It's just like, okay, we have to rush this. We have to get it out the door because we have potentially paying customers through pre-orders, or we just have a calendar we got to move on to the next. If you look at Activision, they're pumping out Call of Duties every year at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly going to be, quote, game of the year is the most recent poster I saw. The only reason it's going to get game of the year is because it's sell millions upon millions of copies. Uh, but with this other thing, it's just like, who's going to make the judgment call on whether or not the game is good enough to present to the public if it's not going to be presented to the critics right. ahead of time. So who's going to be that judgment call? There's also kind of the devil's advocate argument where when the game is released, they usually have like a day one patch that significantly changes the game. So right. the game that the critics had ahead of time may not actually be an accurate representation of what it actually is when it comes out. Exactly. That's a good point. So I, I mean, let's talk about how this is going to affect YouTube. So... When we look at, you know, a lot of the press outlets that receive these IGN and, you know, Kotaku, they all receive game copies ahead of time. So that way they can do the review, their first impressions, whatever it might be, and get them out of the public. YouTube functions in a very similar manner, except oftentimes we're held to embargo dates where they state, you know, you will get access to it. You can structure your opinion. However, you cannot release any uh, footage, live stream play, whatever it might be until a certain date. Now, for the YouTube community, because everybody is rushing to get that new title out there onto their channel to get that potential viewership, having limited access to the game ahead of time is going to drastically hurt our ability as content creators to create and stockpile our Let's Plays or our features about these titles if we're only given 24 hours lead. Like, if since this is going to affect, let's look at Bethesda, for example, Skyrim SE is going to be one of the titles that this affects uh, with their Elder Scrolls property. So that's a game that's 60, 70 hours, probably at minimum, uh, to play. So 24 hours is not going to give ample time yeah, for us to create content. you can't play a 70-hour game in 24 hours. The, the math just doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. So it's like, what are we going to do as content creators to offset this? Live streaming. Wait a second. That's it! You could. You could live stream, and that would fulfill, you know, 24 hours worth of content, which then you could potentially cut down after the fact, or that might solve an issue. However, that doesn't really, you know, solve all the the components of, like, isolating your ideas and your gaming play to, you know, little small videos that you can then pump out to your audience. It's just like, it doesn't, it's, I don't know if it's a solution. It's it's not a solution. It's, It's a workaround. It's another... Another ven- venue you can go down or road, whatever the word is. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not a solution for getting that solid review out the day of or even before a game is released. Mm-hmm. Right. So are, what other things can we do? I mean, is there? are we just going to have to end up in a landscape where it's going to be a rush as soon as that 24-hour mark goes? And then for the next two days, we just slowly pump out content across the channel? Like, how are we going to capture that SEO? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, that might be the way things are going. Hopefully, it doesn't become mainstream that companies like Bethesda don't release early review or early copies for review, because I I do think there is a lot of benefit to that. Absolutely. But, you know, in this case, it's we're going to see a lot of rushing. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I, I do think that even though a lot of creators are going to be rushing their reviews, or their gameplay content, there will be a subset of creators who are, will take the time to really put effort into what they release. 
and those creators, I think and hope, will stand out from everyone else. And do you think that <clears throat> smaller channels that may not have gotten early access to games in the past, is this something that could potentially help them compete with larger channels that do get early access to games? That's actually a really good way to look at it because oftentimes, and I would hear this from a lot of the smaller creators, is that, oh, well, so-and-so multi-million sub-channel will always beat me to the punch because they have the early access, they're getting the game, they're doing the pre-recordings, they're uploading before I even have a chance to look at the title in the window of a GameStop or a retail outlet. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to place everybody on even ground. It will make sure that all outlets, including the largest press outlets who have thousands upon thousands of dollars backing every asset that they put out into the internet, uh, this will now have the independent creator on par. So I think this is, I mean, I'm, now I'm starting to think it's just like, ooh, this could be a good battleground scenario where the smaller creators who might not be getting the immediate notice but have the content quality on par with these larger places will now have the chance to shine. Right, a little more Darwinian, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Survival of the fittest, whoever has the best videos. Well, as I started thinking, I'm just like, is it going to be like Battle Royale? Is it going to be Lord of the Flies? I mean, what are we going to be in right now? Um, but it could it could very much give those smaller creators an opportunity to uh, be there day of in competition with those larger folks. I think we're also, unfortunately, going to see a lot of clickbait come out of this. Let's assume for a second that a new Skyrim game is coming out. Skyrim 2, right? Naturally... YouTubers go on YouTube several weeks before the release date and they start searching for Skyrim 2. And if advanced copies are not available, we're going to see a lot of creators basically title their videos Skyrim 2 and it's just them playing Skyrim 1 talking about Skyrim 2. Mm -hmm. And that could just throw the whole system off. Right. All right. Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of things at play here. But I like to think that this is now an opportunity for every small creator to take that moment to shine. You only get one shot. You only get one <laughs> shot. <laughs> and you're not going to miss your, was it, and I'm not going, what is the line from Mom. Hamilton? I was going to say Mom's Spaghetti. Mom's Spaghetti. <laughs> there it is. Enough. That's fine. All right. We're going to take Mom's Spaghetti. All right. Well, uh, Bethesda, tisk tisk. We'll see what you end up doing here in the end. I think you'll, I think the internet has spoken as to what they think of your plans. Uh, moving on to just a quick blip uh, on the radar of today. Kingdom Hearts 3, Ooh. new screenshots released. Two screenshots. Only two screenshots. Just screen two? Only well, two. Well, that's, that's enough to warm my heart. I know. Well, two screenshots. Uh, hey, hey. That's because you were heartless before it. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, we have them all. We have all the Kingdom Hearts jokes here on this show. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> two screenshots were released relatively uh, unexciting screenshots at that. It's yeah. just uh, taking place in Hercules. Is that Olympus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's two screenshots in Olympus showcasing a new, I guess, form of Sora because this game follows Sora. It's just him kind of jumping in the air and another Heartless bouncing around. Honestly, this could be easily Photoshopped. I, I don't know what to think anymore or even if my excitement still exists for this game. Kingdom Hearts meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I was like, dude, Final Fantasy, Disney, combined into one. Throw in this crazy, weird love story slash I don't know what else is happening. Starfruit, sure, let's go with it. Now, I'm just like, this game keeps being delayed. There's no date. Square Enix is leading me on. It's just like, it's like that ex that you haven't talked to in years. And she sends you a little note and just being like, you know what? I loved our time together. And you're like, is it? 
are you, wait, what? And then she doesn't respond to you for another few years. <laughs> you're just like, what is happening? Can somebody please explain to me, should I care about Kingdom Hearts 3? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's probably going to be a good game. And I hope that it's going to be a good game because it's being delayed. Hmm. Now, I, I would rather, personally speaking, I would rather a game get delayed. I know I, it, it hurts to wait for a game for another year, maybe yeah. another two years, seven years, I don't know. Um, and then I, I'd rather it be quality. Right. Because I don't want a No Man's Sky issue. Oh, well, I mean, I think, you know, long delays and drawn-out development plans do work in a lot of cases. I mean, look at Duke Nukem Forever. Mm. <laughs> Fantastic Shiny. title delivery. Fantastic title. That's what, you see, this is the thing. It's just like, we're, we're, we, at the start of the podcast, we're like, you know what? We're, we're worried about, like, you know, fast turnarounds and the fact that they have to pump it down. There isn't quality. And then there's the flip fact of just like, well, does too much time invested into a game actually diminish its quality? So I'm waiting for Final Fantasy to come out this month, and I'm truly, 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 truly hoping that the 10 years' worth of development has made this game even more awesome. And I know they've changed a lot of stuff over the past year. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm timid, again, to go into a Kingdom Hearts relationship at this stage. My concern about games that take so long to get developed is that the technology that they started off with is so out of date by the time the game comes out that like maybe it's not even up to snuff with modern releases since it's mm. been in development for so long. Interesting. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the feeling that I'm getting when I see like The Last Guardian, for example. It looks like a PS3 game almost. Yes. It looks like it could be a very great PS3 game, but it doesn't look like a modern like HD on the border of 4K kind of game that we're used to seeing. Ooh, okay. All right. Now now we're getting into the whole concept of, you know, what quality do we expect out of our games now? Mm -hmm. I feel like we're spoiled. Oh, we totally are. Yeah. <laughs> we're completely spoiled with the quality of what is being delivered onto Marketplace. I mean, just looking at Overwatch, for example, first-person shooters are now just completely screwed for me, at least probably for the next year or two until there's Overwatch 2 or 15 or whatever the next <laughs> one comes out. Uh, but it is, I feel like the bar is set so high in the space that when a title that we're excited about, let's say Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm super excited about that, super excited, it delays, okay, I'm losing excitement, it finally comes out, and by that point, it's just like, yeah, the quality of other games has surpassed what this thing has been in development for, uh, and because technology is moving so fast, are these titles ever going to be able to keep up? I mean, we have Scorpio coming out next year, we have uh, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft now entering into the VR space as they announced at this last convention they, they showcased their headset which was retail approximately three hundred dollars mm -hmm. which is three hundred dollars cheaper than the HTC uh, Vive uh, also requiring no outside sensors so that's very interesting and then of course PlayStation VR is on market and I don't know what that price point is I think it's four hundred four hundred for that so a hundred dollars cheaper uh, for Microsoft so it's just like now is everybody going to, have to be developing for a VR environment because that will be an optional mode to play. There's going to be a lot more factors built into these games moving forward. Kingdom Hearts is a little bit different, I feel, because we're talking about Final Fantasy mixed with Disney, and it's a completely different game than something like Overwatch. Even if the graphics aren't magical and 3D and VR-based, I'm still going to buy it mm -hmm. because it's mm -hmm. Disney and Final Fantasy. I mean, what's not to like? Um, but a lot of games like Call of Duty or Battlefield or these other first-person shooters are definitely competing with the Overwatches of the world. Mm -hmm. 
Now, for websites that are dedicating themselves to these games that continue to be delayed, how can we deal with those types of things? How do, how do we fill the buffer of time between announcing, oh, we got more screenshots of Kingdom Hearts, next video coming, who knows when? How do they fill that buffer? This is a brainstorm session. I know everybody's just like, wait, how do you fill that buffer? Well, I know some people do, like, their favorite moments from the previous games, like, as sort of building hype for the next game they can talk about what made them love the series in the first place um lists or something like that actually i like that approach because uh i think it's a few members of the ign crew are going to be replaying mass effects one through three uh, well they can probably skip three if they wanted to but one one and two for sure uh as andromeda comes up so that's a good way to reinvigorate that content and especially for any sequels that are coming up i know dishonored 2 for example play the original dishonored you know, play games that that way your audience uh, can get pumped for the next iteration. Or if they haven't played the previous iteration, they at least know what it's about before they go into the new title. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recommend that. And that would be, you know, for Kingdom Hearts, they have, what, four or five games out on Marketplace mm-hmm. currently. Uh, so that would be a good way to fill that gap uh, in content. Uh, what else is happening in the space, guys? What else is going on? There's the Microsoft announcements. There was about a Microsoft. Defi- there was Microsoft and Apple. I'm not going to talk about Apple because wasn't feeling it. Um, but the Microsoft event was really interesting. They announced new Surface surfaces and Surface Books, which is their laptop replacement with a tablet in it, which was great. But then they just blew us all away with a Surface Studio, which is basically a 28-inch iMac. From yeah. Microsoft. I saw the photo of it. It looked almost identical to an iMac. It, it looks very similar, but it has a tilt. It has basically a screen that tilts downwards to a 20-degree angle, and it turns into a massive tablet. Oh, that's incredible. Which is, as an artist, I am just drooling over this thing. This is what the iMac should have been. It's really cool. Um, for gaming, it can probably handle some games. It'll probably run Overwatch nicely. It has the 980M chip or graphics card in there, so it's not like the super high-powered desktop graphics card, but it's pretty decent. So this would be probably a key device for people who are more graphic designers or special effects artists, or even when you're cutting footage, this is a great opportunity to interact more directly with what you're cutting on the screen and adding those effects. Uh, So, I mean, I looked at the machine. It looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not a gaming PC. No. But it is fantastic for those who want to experiment more with effects. Yeah. And it's, it's not... Someone someone at the office was asking me yesterday, well, I was hoping that Microsoft would release uh, a consumer-based PC. Right. And I remember my answer. I said, well, Dell and Lenovo and IBM, they take care of all that. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft is in a perfect position to create something like an iMac, an all-in-one desktop that converts into a tablet. Hearthstone would be incredible on a machine like this. You basically have a 28-inch tablet that you can drag your cards around with your fingers. Oh, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then also for like when uh, there's like there's a D&D, I think it's called D20. Is it D20? Is Roll20. The, Roll20, that's yeah. what it is. It's an online Dungeons & Dragons service. And that's a fantastic way that you can set up your map and you can Skype in your friends. I, there's so many uses for this particular PC that I will have to convince the wife to get it. So we'll see if she actually ends up going for it, but I don't see that we 
actually need it currently. So maybe I can get it for the office is the hope. Maybe I can get that device uh, confirmed by full screen to say, hey, you know what, we need this for full screen arcade. And they'd be like, what are you gonna do it? I'm just like, yeah, this, I, I think just, we all need one. I think we all just market need research. one. Market research. Exactly, market research. That's a really good way to say it. Uh, but it's a beautiful machine. Uh, and then, you know, to your point, Apple released another MacBook with, mm -hmm. a, with a touch thing. Mm -hmm. And does anybody really need another I posted MacBook? on Facebook, I posted the video of the Microsoft Surface Studio, and I basically said, I'm a lifelong Apple user. Been using Macs forever. Been using iPhones since they came out. And I'm just getting sick of what Apple's doing. They release a MacBook. It's more powerful, sure. And it has this, like, touchscreen function bar at the top. So mm -hmm. all the F keys are gone. The escape key is gone. The uh, sound keys are gone. I'm going to replace it with an OLED touchscreen, which is customizable, and the, the buttons, well, the touch buttons change based on the app you're in. And it has Touch ID, which is kind of nice, but it just feels like a little bit of a gimmick. Because when I'm using my laptop, it's usually 90% of the time it's hooked up to an external monitor, right. or I'm not doing anything like heavy, intense editing if I'm sitting in bed or something like that. So I don't need those keys. I don't know. It's just, and, and they increase the price of them. Well, how much are they now? They start. Well, actually, the one with no touch function bar starts at fourteen ninety nine, oh, and then the God. one with with I think starts at two thousand. I don't have that money. No. Apple, come on! And they didn't refresh the iMac. They didn't refresh the Mac Pros. They didn't refresh the Mac Mini. I don't know what they're doing over well, there. Well, I think it's this is how I felt about Apple for a while because I also was an Apple user for a good portion of my life, at least when I was an editor uh, out here in Los Angeles before landing into YouTube and all that stuff. It was. Hey, this is a machine made for designers. I was just like, great, yep. perfect. I can do everything I need to in Final Cut Pro, uh, which I think 7 was the last good one, and then 10, who knows what happened during that process. Uh, but it was a system that was just like, you know what? I feel confident in using everything on this, this device. But the price point kept many out of the marketplace because of this sense of false entitlement or something like that. Like, oh, I'm an Apple user. Mm. Oh, you must be wealthy. And it has this sort of allure to it. And, and just even how they present themselves at the stores out here, I feel like I'm walking into a boutique where it's just like, oh, yeah. yes, sir, please come over here. Let me show you this high-end device. And I am an iPhone user still. And here I am you know, recording this on a Mac right now at the work. But when I look at current processes being run on my PC, my PC runs far, far faster oh, yeah. than any Mac I've ever owned. And I've switched over all of my editing processes to Premiere. I do everything in Photoshop, Illustrator, everything on my PC at home. It's just a far faster system. And for years, I've been told Apple's cleaner. You don't have to worry about viruses. Well, also, you don't have to worry about viruses on your PC if you take care of it. If you're not visiting all those sites on the interwebs that give those things, you know, the places. If you visit, like, givemeacold.com, I think that's how you get a virus on, mm, right. uh, on a PC. I go there often. Yeah, we, yeah, well, you got to make sure you get your flu shots before you go. But it's just like PCs do run better. And when I look at this, um, the machine that they just announced for Microsoft, I'm like, it looks like an iMac. It's, it has the same type of design appeal. Uh, and I bet it runs cleaner because most applications are built on PC first. Yeah, and it's, it's made for designers, video editors. And it just seems like Windows is, or Microsoft is finally noticing that professionals are kind of not being taken care of anymore by a certain fruit company. Correct. So, and they just announced, also at the same time, they announced a creative, what did they call it? A Windows 10 creative update or creative something update, huh. which basically brings new creative services. You can actually stream directly to Beam. Oh, wow. On the new update that's coming out in 
sometime early next year, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's built in directly to the operating system. You press one button, I think, and you stream directly to Beam. Yep. See, I knew they were going to try to do a monopoly in that case. It's similar to Blizzard right now where you press one button and right. next yeah. thing you know, you're live on Facebook for all your friends to watch you, mm-hmm. uh, which I made the mistake of running uh, a dungeon in WoW to all my audience. And they were just <laughs> like, John, your your macros are really crap right now. You're spamming and you're not actually doing much damage. And you forgot to put a shirt on. Your camera's on. Hey, it's fine. I, I like to play shirtless WoW. I think that's the only way you can play WoW nowadays. That's true. Um, but it's just like, you know, I guess in summary, PCs are strong systems. They're very effective when it comes to editing, doing uh, your graphics work, etc. It's just like if you're getting into the business of streaming and all that, I think it's like 90 plus percent oh, are all PC based. So strongly recommend looking at PCs. I don't. You, you don't have to go out and buy this brand new, you know, pretty iMac. Yeah, you of probably a PC. don't. If you're an actual gamer, you probably don't need this because you know it starts at three thousand dollars. Whoa. Okay. All right. I'm out of that business. There you go. Um, but you can build your own PC, or you can get one from a PC manufacturer that focuses on gaming for a lot cheaper than that. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, CyberPower PC has uh, some good selection for, you know, low price. Uh, Doghouse Systems is another provider. And, of course, you can always go up to, I think, Alienware is still a thing. So it's just, like, definitely check them out. Uh, We'll make a little post that showcases some of our preferred PCs. Uh, And then also I'll be doing a draft of what my PC build is. So that way if people want to replicate it for lower cost, you can build your own machine. And it doesn't take that much technical know-how to get a really effective computer up and running. You just need to make sure that it's unplugged because one of my viewers uh, in a live stream was working on his PC while watching and the fan kicked on and oh. it happens to be a 5,000 RPM fan and took out a good chunk of his finger. Oh, man. Yeah, so it was not, uh, not good. So make sure when you're working on PCs to unplug. Make sure you're unplugged. Um, yeah, what else is what else is going on? So that was huge news out of Microsoft. They had the VR. They had the new system. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what else you, is going on? What do you think about the Microsoft VR? I'm interested to hear what you guys think. All right. Microsoft VR. Okay, here's the thing. I've uh, developed two games now in VR. I did one uh, for Toyota, uh, which was a driving, like, Corolla Cade experience. So for their Toyota Corolla, I did that. And another one... Um, that I, well, I didn't really contribute much to it, was uh, a friend of mine had done a game where you stand in the woods, and it's like one of those scare games, and the goal is to walk from your car to a fire pit across the woods. And you hear little crinkling, crackling stuff behind you, and you notice the trees are following you. So it's kind of one of those games of, uh, what's the old childhood game where you'd walk forward and you have to turn around to make sure people didn't keep walking towards you? Or something like that. Red light, I, green light. Red light, green light. Something mm. like that, where you have to keep checking, and eventually, the, if the tree catches up to you, it screams in your ear, and it's terrifying. <laughs> um, so, you know, when it comes to VR experiences, I'm uncomfortable in them for one main reason: in that my body is not being tracked. Mm-hmm. So, visually, I'm in the zone. I'm seeing everything around me. I'm transformed. My body starts to convince itself, "Oh, wow, you're really here." But then when, if you don't have any sort of motion tracking on your hands or your body, period, you look down and you're like, that's not my body. You try to hold your hand out and you're like, physically I feel my hand in front of me, but it's not there. Right. And it gets really, it's very disorienting very fast. And most people get sick Mm. from this experience. 
So when I think of, oh, you know, it'd be a great idea bringing this vomit box into my home so I can play Team Fortress 2 on, not a good idea because we tried that. We tried it with Team Fortress and we tried it with um, uh, what's Half-Life 2. And you get dizzy very fast is what I was finding, especially in first-person shooters or anything fast-paced. Now, it might have just been frame rates because I was on an early uh, Oculus edition. Um, it was back when it was 480, and the cameras are much cleaner now, and they're much better. But when I think of playing a video game, I don't want to be submersed in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel as if my body has been transplanted into the game. I like the idea of being distanced. It's the same thing for going to see a film. Nothing makes me more uncomfortable seeing a film than if there's a live actor component mm-hmm. that comes to it. I've been to a few screenings where it's just like, oh, somebody's walking through the aisles now engaging. That's I'm pretty like, annoying. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want that. Even live theater experiences when it's just like, okay, big musical performance happening on stage, and now they're invading your space. There's just something about that that makes me feel very uncomfortable, and I feel like that's how I react with VR, despite Mm. its technological achievement. Hmm. I have not used any VR headset yet. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I haven't used any I had one in the office. We had one in the office. I don't know. I just didn't want to rush the experience. I want to sit down and actually, or I guess stand, I don't know. And really experience it once it's kind of baked in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of agree with your point that it just it would probably feel really strange that if you're you you stick your hands out and you don't see them, I can I can see that how that could be strange. What I'm kind of interested in is how space games feel. Like if I'm in No Man's Sky or Elite Dangerous or Star Citizen and I'm zipping through space towards planets and going through wormholes, that could be cool. It, it feels cool. I mean, I, I did a Star Wars VR experience where you were in an X-Wing. And that was awesome. Because you're like, oh, wow, I am one of the Rogue members. I'm like a member of Rogue Squadron, and I'm blasting through space. And you can look all around, and you're like, oh, wow, all these things are happening. But then all the feelings that you would get with, like, high velocity speed and all these things, you're just like, oh, oh no, I'm in space. Oh, I'm floating. Oh, geez. And then all those things start. Maybe I'm just a paranoid person, I'm starting to realize. Maybe, maybe I'm just a very paranoid uncomfortable person when playing these titles uh but yeah i mean oh even okay to your point no man's sky Mm. all right when your oxygen starts to deplete and you're just like i'm not going to make it back to my ship think of what that does to your psyche and think of it happening now in first person that could be bizarre yeah i can kind of see that you're just like i'm going to die this is not oh no i am trapped on a planet and then you remove it and you're like oh i'm fine but think of the stress that does to you we were playing a zombie game here in the office, and I was flailing around like a fish with the two little things trying to fight off zombies. But when they attack you, you have that moment of, oh, my God, I'm under attack. Right. Mm. It's the evolutionary response where it's like, you know it's fake, but you can't help but be frightened by it. Yes, exactly. It's a lot like, uh, like even just playing Five Nights at Freddy's. That's just a screen in front of me. I know that nothing's going to jump through that screen, but it becomes, you become so immersed either with the headsets just that something is jumping at you, it scares you. Now fully immerse yourself in that experience. That is not something I want, (laughs) ever. So do you think they're going the wrong direction then? Because it almost seems like they're pivoting away Microsoft from like that 3D AR thing that they had. Oh yeah, the HoloLens. Exactly, Yeah. and now they're using this as like it, it sounds like it's going to be integrated with that in some way. Yeah. But like, is this them like shifting away from that? And do you think that's the wrong choice then? Well, I think they're going to keep two because AR and VR is going to be a separate scenario for a while. And I know the Hololens is still slated to come out here in the coming months. We don't have a date yet. Um, but 
I think those things will still remain separate. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a marketplace for people who want to put themselves through these types of stresses. Right. Uh, I just, I, I don't believe I will ever be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, maybe I'm just an old man. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, I mean, that's the thing. I'm like in my 30s and it's just like that's old with like some reaction and stuff like that. I know kids are super excited about VR and they want to experience these things and they like being scared. I mean, if you look at Target right now, everything is Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. Not because it's Halloween season. It's been out for the past four months uh, in their stores with T-shirts everywhere. And I was talking to a seven-year-old uh, who's my uh, friend's daughter and she was just like, I love these. And she started naming all the characters and the, how she loves jump scares and all this. And that is the casual response from kids. I guess their brains are just getting used to all this stuff. And They're getting if they used grow to up with AR, sorry, if they grow up with VR, it's just it's not strange to them. Like to right. us, if we're putting ourselves in this world where your oxygen is being depleted, like you said earlier, that's freaky. Yeah. But if you grow up with that, it's just another part of your life. <laughs> this is a scary train of thought, isn't it? We're all going to be in the Matrix, is what it sounds like. No, well, you know what we're thing. all going to be in. <laughs> Elon Musk is... and Bill Gates are going to be hovering over us while we like, blindly stumble. You will do what I say. <laughs> I watched, uh, kind of going off of this, you know, John recommended that I watch the first episode of Black Mirror season three, episode yeah. one. Oh my gosh, that's where we're heading. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jeez. With VR. Yeah, well, that's uh, we recommend. I won't spoil any of that episode. If you have a chance to watch Black Mirror, definitely do it. Um, but that's the thing. VR is leading us in that direction. I feel for the older audiences, we're not going to fully embrace it because it is taking us into experience of which our bodies have not been trained for. Yeah, mm-hmm. but actually going back to Dan's point yeah. earlier about AR versus VR, I think they will, like John said, they will be two separate things. Obviously, they are two separate things, but I think AR is going to remain um, a thing at this point. The HoloLens is probably more like a proof of concept. But if you look at actually Black Mirror, that first episode, they had AR-based contact lenses. Ooh. Yeah, where kind of things contextually oh, yeah, pop up yeah. throughout the world. I think a few other, um, what was that other show or movie? Uh, doesn't matter. Um, but you know, I, I love that film. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> film. I see something like that happening at some point from the HoloLens. Obviously, it's a little bit big right now, but yeah. when they get it down to that microscopic level, that could be interesting. And it's not, you know, you're not putting yourself in this weird world where you're not sure what's going on. You can still see the world around you. Just other things are kind of popping up here and there. Well, that's what Google Glass tried doing. Well, they failed. Well, there were a few people walking around with him at the office. They honestly looked like, uh, what's his name from Star Trek? Yeah. It was the visor. That guy. Yeah, yeah. So that guy. Yeah, I watch Star Wars. I'm sorry. I'm not a Star Trek guy. Uh, but it's just like, you know, this technology will continue to evolve. I think it's going to place us into areas where it's just like there will be confusion of reality um, because when you are in VR, you do not believe you're in your actual location, which might be your living room. Or in this case, I was at my desk uh, here at the office. The the best moment I had of that was not just the zombies chasing me. I did a Star Wars VR experience where R2-D2 rolls up to you and you have to tap his face. And so I had my little HTC Vive handles and I kept trying to touch R2, but I just kept punching my monitor by accident. So I thought I was interacting with him, but actually I was just damaging uh, my desk. So it's like, we're, there's gonna be a lot of experiences like that. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I want from my gaming experience. I want something that disconnects me from reality, but doesn't place me in an alternate reality. Yep. So that's, that's, once again, Paranoid John Brent. I think I should just call my, I'm going to change my username to Paranoid Guy instead of Quiet Guy. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, because I can't handle VR. You'll be the one on the outside while we're all, like, strapped into our, like, VR 
like little setups. Yeah, it's rolling around like in Wally. Yeah, exactly. you're gonna be in your little chairs, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm playing this right now. And I'm like, okay, good for you. I'm in reality. I look around. <laughs> What's I'm like, reality, oh. John? Well, reality. Oh well, God, Trump's president. Can I get one of those headsets by chance? <laughs> Can I get switched in? Thanks. Uh, yeah. So VR. Oh, speaking of VR, while we're on this topic, before we get off it, how do you capture it? How should you showcase that on your channel? Because VR is a very individual experience uh, of which is being displayed to your headset. You can capture your headset, but do you also capture through a separate webcam your physical reactions? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it's damn amusing. Well, that's the thing. I want to watch you punch your monitor. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you look at it, anybody watching a VR experience from the outside, you look at the person and you're like, wow, they look like a complete idiot. But in their head, they're like, yeah, I'm fighting zombies or, oh, I'm, I'm building a castle. And, and to us, it just looks like, wow, they look like Kermit when he screams, yeah, they're just flailing his arms. Uh, it's, not, it's not a cool thing. So do you hide that portion? I think, not. I think it's funny to watch. I think <sighs> it's entertaining. <laughs> but as a host, are you willing to let that right. humility showcase? Yeah, because it brings viewers. Okay, all Do right. Do it for the viewers. Do it for the viewers. Do it for the Vine. Oh, no. oh Vine. Poor Vine. Okay, let's have, a, let's have a moment of silence uh, for Vine. Six seconds of silence. <laughs> I feel that was longer than six seconds. No, that was six seconds on the dot as soon as that you spoke up. No, I'm sorry. There you go. Well, poor Vine. Actually, I don't care. I was a member of Five Second Films and helped those guys out for a few years. So it's just like, we did it first. We did it funnier, and we were one second less. So Vine, Vine celebrities of the world, I'm friends with some of you. You do better things outside of Vine. For those who believe that they just belong to Vine, get another job. <laughs> it's like, like, Vine was a platform that I found very interesting in the fact that it brought a lot of narrative content creators to the space. However, it limited them so much. It's, there's, I don't know. You can create better, cooler things out in the space. Once again, I sound like an old guy. Create long form content again. If you're a sketch comedian writer, write a full script. Um, yeah, I just, I never liked Vine. No, I never got into it. Because one, I'm not that funny. And two, the content that I did produce, you can't do a Photoshop tutorial in six seconds. Yeah, you can. Here's the move tool. Okay, bye. Yeah, actually, that's what it should be. <laughs> I know. I thought about that at one point, but it just, I couldn't do it. Here's how you switch to a cursor with a pre press. What? V. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think of which one I have coded right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, God bless Vine. Best of luck to you. Oh, oh wait. It's dead. Never mind. <laughs> uh, and then also in the space, Vessel. Oh, yeah. Vessel's platform. gone, too. Vessel's went on to Go90. Uh, go get him, Vessel. Best of luck to you. Good people over there. Uh, for Beam, I guess, since that's going to be connected, should people stream on Beam now? Sure. I mean, now's probably a perfect time because not a lot of people stream on Beam. And if Microsoft is now integrating it directly into their operating system, I have to imagine they're going to market the crap out of Beam. Yeah. So if you're jumping on the Beam train as early as possible, you have a much higher chance when Microsoft does do a huge marketing push to be one of their creators that they that they lean on to get this thing out there. Awesome. That's definitely so do good, it. Yeah, definitely recommend that. And uh, I'm not sure if you have abilities to then export the content to your YouTube channel or anything like that yet. Uh, if not, you can always record it separately using Game Show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this before November 5th, 
We're going to have 10 licenses of Game Show to give away during our 24-hour live stream on November 5th. Oh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the event. So November 5th, we're doing the 24-hour broadcast as part of Extra Life to raise funds for the Children's Hospital Los Angeles. At least that's our local uh, group that will be streaming across three different uh, channels. We'll be doing it for that Children's Hospital uh, for 24 hours. So it's going to be absolutely crazy. So a few things that we're going to be doing during that broadcast. Uh, so three streams will be running. One will be dedicated to console uh, games. So we'll start off with like Mario Brothers. We'll play some stuff on PS4, including God Eater. Uh, and then on a secondary system, we're going to have Overwatch running as well as Counter-Strike. Um, so a lot of first-person shooters happening on that channel. And then the third broadcast is going to be entirely dedicated to board game play. So the good folks at Yellow uh, gave us a copy of King of Tokyo that we can give away on the broadcast. So we'll be playing King of Tokyo. We'll probably be playing Settlers of Catan. So these are all games that will further destroy our friendships throughout the broadcast. It'll be fantastic. So we're going to have three streams running. Uh, throughout two, I'm going to introduce a new friend to all of us called Plunko. Oh, boy. Plunko, Plunko is the... That sounds very familiar. It's the device that keeps on giving. Uh, so at every $100 threshold, uh, we are going to bring out Plunko. I'm going to try to design him so he looks a little goofy. Is it hosted by Bab Barker? Bab Barker is going to tell you how to get those Plunkos. I don't know why I gave him this accent, but it'll be fine. We'll go with it. Uh, so Plunko is one of those little uh, puck dropping mechanisms. So for any of you who played, um, what was the the Nintendo Me uh, game on mobile oh, phone? Oh, Tomo. Me Tomo. I got a notification from that the other day, and I completely forgot it even existed. Oh well. <laughs> Me Tomo had like a little mini game where you drop these avatars down a little bouncy thing. Wherever it landed on is what you won. This is going to be the same type of thing, similar to uh, a very popular game on a broadcasted game show that happens daily starring Drew Carey. Uh, so when those things hit the, uh, the winnings, the winnings are actually going to be challenges that the hosts will have to do. Now, it could either be individual hosts based on, you know, maybe we roll a d20 or find out who has to do it, uh, but it could be anything from drinking hot sauce which we have a collection of wonderful hot sauces that will have to be uh, drank, uh, to dressing up in various costume elements that will have uh, present, to blindfolding yourself for a good 15 to 20 minutes of gameplay, of which you'll be forced to play the game blindfolded while we either cheer you on or throw you off, uh, to, I think, the most interesting one is uh, we have a few musical cues that could be queued up, and there will be dance parties, forced dance parties, and hopefully... We'll have so many donations rolling in uh, to support the children that it will just be one after another. It'll be like, okay, take a shot of hot sauce. Okay, now we got to do this goofy dance. Okay, now put this costume thing on and run around screaming, I'm a cat. You know, whatever it is, I want it to be weird and wild. And remember, all donations throughout the broadcast are tax deductible. So you can write it off during tax season, and it goes to support a wonderful cause. Help save those kids. Yeah, and if you can't donate yourself, you can definitely stream to help raise money for kids. Um, and you can join our team. If you go to fullscreenarcade.com and you click on the Arcade Live tab at the top, you can join our team, and then during that 24 hours, you just stream away and then your viewers can donate and it all goes to uh, you know whatever local hospital you're part of so if you're not in LA and you're in Tennessee you can join and donate to a local kids hospital in Tennessee exactly exactly and there's a whole list of the hospitals you can select uh, on the Extra Life website so be sure to uh, check that out so definitely recommend signing up for the team signing up for a streaming slot or joining us during the broadcast 
uh, we would love to have you a part of it because it's going to be weird and wild and wonderful. And I'm staying awake for the full 24 hours, probably on camera the full 24 hours. It's going to get really weird. Are you joining us, Dan? Four or five hour point. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Nice. Maybe what are you going to be playing? Full 24 hours. I'm going to be playing some Overwatch. Nice. Platinum. Ranked Overwatch. Um, Come on. It's going to be fun. <laughs> what rank are you, John? I'm the gold. <laughs> it's, it's okay. So here, okay. Rant session time. All right. So We struck a nerve with John. Uh, okay. So I got up to 2,300. I was 200 points away. We were in a good place. And now I'm back down at 1,990 because of a series of losses. Yesterday, I didn't win a single match at all yesterday. I streamed for three hours. Every match lost. Oh. And there was ones we were super close. We're just like, oh, we're at ninety nine percent. They're at zero. Somehow they took it. Those and are now, the worst. And then they got like a boost. Okay, so here I am convinced. I am like those people who say that the YouTube algorithm is against them, which isn't the case. But I am a person who believes that Blizzard, when you hit the ninety nine percent point and they have zero percent on the board, that they get a boost in damage and speed. Because I feel like out of nowhere, alts come in, they wreck face, and then I'm just left there in the dust to be like, well, there goes my match for the evening. I get it so upset. It does feel that way sometimes. It feels like that all the time. And so, yeah, so I'm still gold. There was another time, in fact, that Dan was on the point. We had two team members that were with him and ran away from the point <laughs> instead of capping it in the last 10 seconds. And I just hear him shouting into the mic, guys, where are you going? Where are you going? You're leaving the point. Just watching them run off into the sunset while we lose. Yeah. And they were like, well, what do you, you guys didn't do damage. It's like, come on. <laughs> There's a point to this. Stay on the payload. If you are out there and you play Overwatch and you're doing competitive or quick play, do your teammates a favor and stay on the payload. <laughs> Thank you. John out. And right. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, well, anything else out there? Any, any, you guys got anything else you want to talk about? Oh, very quickly. It's oh. not that exciting. It's oh. not like juicy news or and anything. And tune out. But YouTube did launch their end screens for all creators. Yes. And I wrote a post on fullscreenarcade.com. Basically, you've probably all been using annotations to link to other videos, link to channels, and things like that. The problem with that is they weren't mobile-friendly. So if people were viewing your content on a phone, which happens more than 50% of the time now, they couldn't click on those things. So you were, you were losing potential additional views. But now with end screens, which is now available to you, they're mobile friendly. And they have templates, and you can start off with cool looks and things like that, and go check out the article. Awesome. Do it. And it's definitely a very strong system to use. We saw a lift on annotations. Usually it's about a 0.5 to 1% conversion on annotations. These are showcasing 4 to 6% on average when it comes to conversion. So definitely a solid increase. Highly recommend implementing them. Go check them out on Full Screen Arcade. All right, guys. Well, that does it for today. We did it. We made it through the week. We got spoopiness and spookiness and stuff ahead of us. Yay. <laughs> Go I'm put gonna, on our costumes. I'm going to do nothing all weekend. Aww. I hate Halloween. I mean, I like Halloween. I just don't like interacting with people dressed in costumes. <laughs> oh, They no. scare you. They and do. why are you going to BlizzCon again? That's a good point. There it is. All right. Well, you can follow us over on the interwebs at Arcade Gaming uh, on Twitter, or just check us out at Full Screen Arcade. You can follow me, John, at Kawaii Guy LA. Uh, you got Howard. I am at Pinsky on Twitter, and I am at Dan Harvey Z Five. 
Z5. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Take care. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.